Welcome to episode 66 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. But let me tell you, that's the place it is now, but it is not the place I started. In part one of this two-part series, we are going back to the beginning. We are going to reflect on some of the good, bad, and ugly that helped Liz and I get to where we are today. And we're going to discuss some of the things that we would have done differently in hopes of saving you some time, some grief, some energy, and give you a chance to learn from our mistakes. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. Regardless of where you're at in your life or your career, chances are you can take a look at where someone else is or have an image in your mind of where you want to be, what you want to be doing, and the kind of life you want to build. And if you're like me, you want that now. You see the discrepancy between where you are at this moment and where you want to be, and you want to speed that up. Patience is hard to come by. And the old adage, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success, isn't inspiring. It just pisses you off. I started my first business in 2017 after losing my job as a sales director for a startup company. My background was in education and sales. Business was definitely not on my mind. But the second somebody encouraged me to take everything I loved about teaching and sales and put it in an environment that I love and really live for, which is retail and customer experience, I was ready to jump in. At that point, I started what is now my, my first business or kind of the back burner business. It's not the Amanda Wagner. At that moment, it was called Retail to Riches. It's now called The Compliment with an E. And so in these five years, I've had several beginnings. I had the beginning of Retail to Riches, the beginning of The Compliment as I rebranded, and then the beginning of the Amanda Wagner, which started in January 2020 which of course is an interesting time to put yourself out there as a professional speaker and want to be on more stages when the world really shuts down with the COVID pandemic. When I first started in 2017, I can vividly remember listening to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. It has taken on a bit of a new lens, but at that point, I remember the podcast hosts having so much to say. They each ran their own businesses and listening to the podcast and finding it to be equal parts aspirational and also really annoying. This has nothing to the host. In fact, the, the aspirational piece was not about me wanting a podcast. It wasn't that I was looking at exactly what they were doing and saying, oh, I want to have a, a graphic design company like Kathleen, or I want to have a candle company. That wasn't what it was about. In fact, it was more so that I wanted to be in a place where I could speak confidently about running a business, where I could confidently help others, and I wouldn't freak out and collapse into a pile of fear when they mentioned things like cloud accounting with FreshBooks. They would talk about these very, quote, businessy things, 
And every time I would go, but I don't have a system for this. I don't have an accounting system. I haven't thought about lead generation. I just wanted to get to a place where these words and these ideas didn't freak me out. The annoying piece was that their confidence was so far from what I was experiencing. I wasn't thinking about a marketing strategy. I didn't have a list of clients or projects that I could pick between or choose from. And I remember thinking that while mapping out your ideal day to include lemon water and meditations and journaling sounded really nice, my actual ideal day at that moment was to make some goddamn money and do it again the next day and the day after that so that I had proof that I could make real money, I could have a successful, profitable business, and I didn't have to schlep resumes anymore. So when I would look at that ideal day exercise, I'm like, this sounds really cool, but my ideal day is how the hell am I going to make this work? It was so far from my reality. LP, what podcasts or books or lifestyles were you looking at and thinking one day I want that to be me, but couldn't entirely connect to because it wasn't where you were at the beginning? So not so much podcasts or books, although I did listen to a few. I remember listening to a few episodes of Jenna Kutcher's podcast back in 2019. I think that was the last time I listened to that podcast, but I remember thinking, man, that seems like she's got it figured out. That seems pretty cool. Uh, but it was definitely people in my industry who seem to have a lot more control or flexibility than I had while working internally for an organization. Uh, but to be honest, I didn't know if that was something I'd ever do. I had never really considered going the freelancing route, but it seemed like a pretty sweet way to do things when I was looking at it from the outside. I absolutely remember Jenna Kutcher's podcast. I also listened to a lot of Marie Forleo's stuff. You're, you're jogging my memory of the things that I went back to. What's interesting is that this whole idea of where we were in the beginning actually creates some anxiety for me because I'm like, oh, I remember how tough that was. But that's the purpose of this episode. Liz and I are going back to the beginning and we're inviting you to join us wherever you're at in your business or career. If you are in the beginning, middle or end, we want you to feel like you belong here because in some capacity, we're all beginners, which sounds incredibly cheesy, but there is something to be said for always looking at the next step or being aspirational and going, one day I want to be there. I want to have that confidence. I want to have that system. Or like you said, Liz. I want to have some control and influence because I've got it figured out. So at the time of this recording, I am five years into running my own business. That includes the compliment. It also includes the Amanda Wagner. I have an Instagram strategy and I continue to build an email list. You can sign up at theamandawagner.com. I send one juicy email a month. I do have a list of loyal clients and prospective clients who don't know me. I get people that are complete strangers who fill out the contact me form. It's not a friend of a friend that's hiring me out of pity. I do have confidence that I will continue to make money. And that means that if something isn't the right fit, I can choose to not take it on. And while my ideal day still doesn't look like lemon water and meditations and journaling, I have a sense of what my ideal day looks like, what my ideal week looks like. I am hydrated and it isn't just 
pounding the pavement to make money and saying yes to everything. But there was a time where this existed. And luckily, I have many of my old notebooks and had a look back at some of them to get this snapshot of where I was at. And I want to use this to help you. This is a two-part episode simply because when I started writing up the script and the plan, there was so much to say. So in part one, we are going to dig into some of the realities of starting a new business with some specific examples of what we did, how it worked, and acknowledging that things were not always as they are now. So if you have listened to this podcast and had any moment of must be nice that you're making money, must be nice that you can say no to clients. That's not my reality. Guess what? It has been our reality. There are definitely things that we did in the beginning because it helped us get by, even if they weren't the right things or the way we did things now. So I'm going to offer a bit of a reality check for anyone listening and thinking that where we are at just magically happened. So while it's a mix of telling a bit of a story, but also an understanding of if you are here, that's great. There is nothing wrong with being where you are. And hopefully there are things that normalize the experience of being new and can look, you can look at that reality and say, okay, I'm not stuck here. That's the most important thing. There's a difference between being in the beginning versus being stuck in the beginning. So I'm going to kick us off and Liz is going to join us with some uh, little snapshots of her reality. I launched my business with a launch party in October of 2017, where I invited 40 people who were retail business owners or store managers and team leaders. And I had maybe 20 people show up. I remember an experience conversation with my photographer, Dallas, and asked her to make the room look full, even if it isn't, because this was my first move into having a business social media. At this point, I had no clients. I was not well-known. My parents helped me make charcuterie boards and helped me get set up with ideas and supplies so that I could pull this off. I invited strangers. I sent emails. I made an invitation in Canva. So that was really where I started. My first client was actually somebody who attended my launch party. And she became my client because I asked her to hire me. She was at this party with her store manager. And I asked about her business, told her all the great things I had heard, and she let me in on some of the wins and some of the challenges. When she mentioned a particular challenge, I said, oh, I can help with that. I would love to work with your team. So often I'm asked, how do you get clients? And I give the most frustrating answer, which is I ask them. I ask them to hire me. My first contract, and this is really taking you behind the curtain here was for a series of three professional development sessions. Each session was three hours. It was once per month. And originally I was going to price it at a thousand dollars. And I had somebody look over this contract. Liz has the widest eyes I've ever seen right now. I had somebody look over this contract, the same person who had encouraged me to start my business and said, absolutely not. You will not charge a thousand dollars for that. My goal was to make $1,000 by Christmas. So between October and the end of December, 
my goal was to make a thousand dollars. And I thought, great, I can make it in this one contract. What I ended up doing was making it for $3,000 Canadian. This was incredibly terrifying and lofty. And to think of a three hour workshop for a thousand dollars, who's actually going to pay this? Sending that proposal was one of the most anxious experiences of my life. Number one, I'd never actually written a proposal. I had somebody who was running her own business and I said, can I look at what you send? She sent me one of her proposals. She worked at a, a PR company and her PR firm would send these out. And so I looked at it and I created something similar in Canva, with the exact same headings and my stuff built in and figured if I'm going to look, if I'm going to send this for $3,000, I better look like I know what I'm doing. For context, my sessions are now way shorter. Three hours is a lot for anyone. It's a lot for me and it's a lot for a team or an audience. I've also significantly increased my efficiency. I bring the best materials. I bring the best stories, examples, and activities because I've now had time to hone them and figure out what are the most effective ones that actually create change. And a single session is now priced higher than the series of three was in 2017. So notice that I wasn't able to just jump to being hired for $10,000. I started at this small amount doing a ton of work, which I have no problem with. I have no regrets about, no resentment, but that was where I started. One of my first pieces of marketing was my first business card, which was a template from Moo.com. No shade at Moo. Use whatever you need. And my business was called Retail to Riches, and I used the title of Retail Boss, which still gives me nightmares. I am definitely a little bit embarrassed about that. At the same time, acknowledging that it was a beginning, this business card actually sits behind me. I have this beautiful frame that shows the progression of my business cards as I built my business. So even though I'm a little embarrassed of it, it's part of that story. And I can see the progression of things getting better and better. On the marketing side, I also attended every event in town, which would put me in front of people, people that would potentially hire me, people who knew other people in the industry. I needed to get my name out there. It was exhausting. And I definitely feel like there were moments of desperation. At the time, I'm really glad I did it. And even now reflecting on it, I'm glad I did it. But now, if I were to go back to the beginning, I would be more strategic about my networking. And I would ask for more referrals instead of feeling like I always had to start from scratch with strangers. When I had a great interaction or when I worked with this first amazing client, I wish I would have said, I would love for you to introduce me to three more people like you because clearly you're more connected than I am. So that's one thing I would have done differently. But given where I was at in the beginning, going to every event meant that I was in front of more people. I was getting more followers on Instagram. I had a business behind my name. I will also tell you on the marketing front that my email list was non-existent and my Instagram was brand new. I did not have the language I do now and I didn't do any formal branding work. Any branding work that I had done 
was something that I learned about through a podcast or I read about in a book or I downloaded the free worksheet and actually had time to do it. Everything I had was something I had built on my own. I used a Squarespace template. I used Canva for graphics. And while I had done a values exercise and listened to podcasts and read books, I didn't do any formal branding work or hire anyone for branding or design. In fact, it was only in the summer and fall of 2018, a full year after I started Retail to Riches, that I hired a real designer to create a logo and a full visual identity. And I hired a branding strategist to help me build what became the complement. So it was definitely not all puppies and rainbows at the beginning. And I have some very vivid memories of working with who at that time was my business bestie. She was in a similar stage in building her business. She was going to be a fashion stylist, something I had dabbled in and figured out that it wasn't exactly the lifestyle I wanted. So I shifted more to the education and professional development side. And I remember she and I would meet pretty regularly at one of our kitchen tables or on a patio. We had both been laid off from our jobs and we would talk about where we were. We would talk about what we wanted to build and we would do these activities. We would each sit down with our worksheets and we would talk about them. And I remember so clearly sitting at her kitchen table and saying, one day it won't be like this. Because that was a time where we had so much time. All we were doing was hoping and wishing and praying and working our asses off to get clients so that we could make money. And the planning work felt so exhausting. The planning work wasn't good enough. And in a previous episode, we have talked about how when I met with my former boss from the company I was laid off from, he said how jealous he was about me being at the beginning and what a creative space it is to just think and dream and plan and how envious he was. And I very much get that. But in the beginning, it doesn't feel that way. In the beginning, it feels like I just need to make some freaking money. I just need proof that this is going to work. I need one person to say one nice thing about me so I can flaunt that testimonial and get more of those people. And going back through some of my notebooks and seeing, I want to be here. I wish I had this. One day my business will look like really gave me a snapshot of where I was. Liz, I would love for you to share some of the things that paint a picture of your reality from when you first started your business. We have very different beginnings. I know this is why it's so fascinating to me and why I need to hear your side. It's yeah, very, very different uh, beginnings. So I didn't ever really plan to do this full time. I have no nothing anywhere close to business training. I'm a former reporter. That's what my education is in, is in journalism. I don't even have education in communications, let alone business stuff. Uh, So being an entrepreneur or being a freelancer is what other people did. (laughs) That's not what was in the cards for me, but it started to make sense for the life that I wanted. Uh, And I guess I just maybe hadn't put those pieces together just yet. Maybe I was in denial. I don't know. I feel like that's a conversation for another time. We will have that conversation about being in denial about 
being good at something and wanting the lifestyle, even though our education, our training, the way we were brought up never said like, yes, this is where you're going to go. Yeah. So we let's put a pin in that because I think you and I have both been in denial about, could I actually do this? Because nothing in my history says that this is where we should have landed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I even had that conversation with myself that I can't do it. It was just a, I didn't even consider it because that's just not, I've never thought about that path for me, whatever. So with my business, I was doing this digital communications work on the side while working full-time in digital communications. So I was doing my job nine to five, or I believe it was eight to four. If I can remember back then I was working eight hours doing digital communications. And then I would come home and do more digital communications. So very fair, very different than your beginning AW is that I was fully in it already. So when I look back at the things that I did or very much didn't do when I started my business, I didn't really market myself at all. I maybe thinking back posted the odd casual sort of Instagram story being like, Hey, know somebody who needs some social media help. I'm your girl sort of thing. And I don't know if I was doing that. This feels a little bit like therapy. I don't know if I was doing that because I felt I didn't need to market myself or did I have some fear because I was also still employed. I didn't want to piss anybody off. Alternatively, is there some type of block that was like, I don't want to ask for business because am I going to open up this big can of worms? I don't know if I want that yet. Is this the route I want to go? Because really you kind of had this great life going on. Absolutely. I think it was probably a combination of all of those things. So I didn't really market myself. I didn't really tell too many people I was doing it. Like some of my close colleagues knew that I was doing it. And of course my clients knew I was doing it because that'd be silly if they didn't. Uh, I didn't build a website for my business until I decided to take it full time. One day it was just like, oh shit, I think I probably need a website, (laughs) which is just ridiculous. For those of you who are listening, who have decided to start a business, that's probably pretty high on your list of priorities, but I had kind of just forgotten about it uh, because the word of mouth was pretty strong. I had strong connections within the industry that I was actively in that I could use for the freelancing side of things. Something else that I did, if we're painting this picture, is I said yes to people I shouldn't have. I brought on, yeah. Yep. Tell me more. I brought on clients that looking back now, we didn't align on values or the communication styles really clashed. Or, you know, when you have that feeling, you have that phone conversation. Back then it was more phone conversations and Zoom chats. I kind of miss those days. But you have that phone call with someone and you have that feeling like, I don't know if this is a right fit, but I said yes anyway, because I just wanted to get going, just wanted to get the wheels spinning a bit. Uh, So that is, that's the biggest lens that I look back on is like, I should have never worked with that person, or I should have asked way more questions before the contracts happened, because I think I would have been happier in that first year of my business, uh, if I'd been a little more choosy because I had a full-time job, I didn't have to say yes. 
I could have been choosier, but I wasn't. And I wish in some ways I had been choosier, but that wasn't my reality. I couldn't be choosy. And what's fascinating, and Liz, you of course know the back end of this story, is that just in November, December, I had somebody reach out to me about doing some professional development work. I prepared this massive proposal, was all ready, and knew this probably isn't a great fit. Just based on the communication, this might not be the person for me. But I still have this like, say yes, get whatever contract you can, do whatever you need mentality that I did all this work to prepare it. And then it went nowhere. So I can still relate to that in the beginning. I'm saying yes to things that maybe aren't aligned with my values, that maybe aren't completely connected to what I want to be known for, which is a big thing for me. I'm like, when I take on contracts and when I work with some of my clients, like my business strategy and coaching clients, I will often ask them if they're struggling of like, should I take on this work? Should I not? I'm like, would you want five more contracts like this? Because if you become known for this thing, you really have to think about it. So I I love that regardless of, of how we entered this world, we both have moments of, I said yes to things that I probably shouldn't have said yes to. Thank you for letting me interject. Keep going. That's the end of my list. But with it comes some perspective and some hindsight that I feel really lucky to have had the beginning that I had. Uh, Everyone, as you said, comes into this world in a different way. Uh, But I feel really, really lucky because I didn't have to do the marketing and the promotion and the website and all of those sort of beginning of business checklist things, I kind of got into it sideways. And then once I was in it, I realized I needed to do some of these things, which is really strange. And I feel really lucky and also kind of guilty, which we'll dive into that a little bit into the next episode. Um, Yeah, because, because my beginning feels really unusual. And with your guilt, who this is, this is therapy today with your guilt comes my envy, right? Oh, Liz got to start her business while she had a full-time income. It wasn't make or break for you in the beginning. You kind of got to put your toe in the water, but these are also different choices that we make, right? Neither of us were necessarily stuck in something. So considering that we have two very different beginnings, We are now in a similar place, even though we want different things, but we can still share what this conversation was like. And there are definitely overlaps in what our beginnings were. One thing I remember about your beginning, Liz, and and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, is that the way that you and I connected was because I saw you on Instagram and you had posted something in a story or a post where you had said, check out what my client is doing. And so that was a very subtle, like, look at this great menu from my client, or I love working with this person. Do you remember this? No. And I don't even know who that client would have been now. (laughs) I will tell you off the air. I think I remember. Great. And I reached out to you and said, hi, I love your Instagram. Do you do this for other people? Because you weren't actively marketing. I'm Liz Pittman. I can do this. Air guns coming out. Hey, hire me. That <laughs> wasn't a thing. So it was also me asking yeah. of if you did this, could you do this? Are you looking for people? 
you probably saw one of the three posts I ever published about the fact that I was doing this for other people. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that would have been such an opportunity. I remember you and I met, we went for pizza downtown and we talked through, what do you do? What do I need? I went to, I said, like, I have $500 a month. I remember explicitly having that conversation and being like, I have never hired a contractor before. I don't totally know what I need. What does this look like? I don't have that much money. And having that talk with somebody else who I actually didn't know that you were quote unquote, a beginner, I would have no idea. And I think that that was such a a cool conversation where it was a balance of what cards do we put on the table here? What are we going to share? How new are you? How good are you? What can you actually do for me? Mm -hmm. I think that we, (laughs) this is so cheesy, but like we came into each other's lives at like the perfect moments in our businesses, uh, because I, I'm like, your business was the compliment, but we did compliment each other really well with the experiences that we were bringing to the table and what we both needed. I needed more experience as a freelancer. You needed some help. I think it just, it worked beautifully. I'm so glad you sent me that DM. <laughs> I know. I think it's such a special story. And, and it is an interesting, like when you first meet somebody that you're going to work with, or I would, you are now my business bestie amongst other things. Right. But to meet somebody who in the beginning, we didn't share everything. But now there's definitely a, a better level of comfort, even though, yes, I, I hire you to do this work and you know the insides of my business, but there's also a, a level of comfort and reciprocity where you will share with me the guts of what's happening in your business. And we do that a lot on the podcast. So what I think ties this all in a bow is that this episode was not created to just laugh at our past selves or say, oh, how embarrassing for us. So even though I hate the title of retail boss that I had on my first business card, even though I have a box of 500 business cards that say retail boss that have never been used and will never see the light of day again, I didn't write this and we aren't talking about this to introduce any shame about where we've been or where we're at now. So yeah, we can laugh about some of the things we did. We can talk about some of the clients that we said yes to or projects that we agreed to, even though we knew, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a right fit, or I don't know if I can actually help this person in the way that they need. Are we going to be successful? Mostly this discussion is to paint a picture of where we started, how far we've come, and really to normalize that we all need to start somewhere and that there is no shame in being a beginner. So if you are joining us on the podcast at a full-time job thinking about freelancing or having been laid off or quit your job and saying, I have $0, I don't know where to start, or you have an email list of 1,500 people and you want it to be 10,000, we all feel like beginners at some point. And for highly ambitious people, which are the people who come into this community and join us on the podcast and on Instagram, When things are all worked out and running smoothly, that's often when we want to shake things up and do more, right? Because we, we level up. There's a sense with ambitious people that I want it all. I want it now, but also I don't want to settle. It is also worth highlighting that in another five years, I anticipate that we will come back to this episode 
and we will likely have a whole new list of things that we did at this point and are doing right now that we're no longer doing or that have changed. Our 10-year experience selves will come back to our five-year experience selves and go, oh man, remember when XYZ happened? I can already start to see some of those things. And so this is where I encourage you, if you keep notebooks or Google Docs or even have emails from when you first started your business, the beginning of your career or at the start of a promotion, schedule some time to look back. Take half an hour and look back at some of these notes. It's an opportunity to look at the reality of where you were and where you are now. I, of course, like to set aside time once or twice a year to see my own progress, right? New Year's Eve and June 30th, which I call Two Year's Eve. One bonus thought, this episode really reminds me to put the year in my notebooks. I always write the date. And in the moment, writing the year seems silly. But now I really insist on it because I can see where I was at in different years. If I pull out a notebook that says August 10th, I don't know which year it was. I have to go through some of the like, when was I thinking that? And it can feel like a blur. So I encourage you to write the year on things or organize your files in such a way. Um, in two weeks, we are going to come back with the second episode of this Back to the Beginning series. And we are going to go through a list of things that Liz and I fretted over, overthought, or overestimated the importance of. I imagine we're also going to dig into some of these pieces of, of guilt, of challenge, of resentment. And some of these things might seem like they aren't a big deal anymore. And so we invite you to learn from our experience and not do all of the overthinking that we have done. So once again, I encourage you to take a look back at a notebook, a Google Doc, or an email, and just get a snapshot of where you were and how far you've come. It is not to introduce shame or throw shade at your past self. It's to have a moment of, holy shit, I've come really far. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 66 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. We will be back in two weeks with part two. And I will give you a heads up that this fall, I am looking for and booking speaking gigs for 2023. If you know a conference, event, or company looking for an engaging speaker, or perhaps you run a conference or event that you are looking for somebody to present big ideas like increasing impact, setting and achieving big goals, selling and marketing in thoughtful and creative ways, and of course, channeling ambition, that's what I'm here for. You can reach out to me at theamandawagner.com for some of my core topics. And I invite you to fill out that contact form. I will absolutely be in touch. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better and share your story with the world, you can connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit my website, lizpittman.com. Big thank you to the person who reached out to me and said, hey, it would be really great for your listeners if you talked about what things were like in the beginning, because sometimes it's hard to connect to the idea of saying no to the wrong client when you will take on anybody at all. So keep those suggestions coming. If there is something you'd love for us to talk about, we are happy to, to dig in and share our thoughts on. I can't wait to be back for part two. This is sparking many uh, interesting reflections and conversations and a lot of feelings. So LP, let's, uh, let's keep going and get part two going. 
all of those feelings and much more in two weeks with part two. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Do, 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 do. Stop <laughs> recording button. There she is.